What's up, my friends? Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. Super pumped for you to hear this conversation with my new friend, John of Roman with Front Row Dads. He has created a community for entrepreneurial dads to grow together. This dude's all about fatherhood. He's an author, TEDx speaker, uh, started an incredible nonprofit, successful business owner, but... If you asked him what he does at a party, he wouldn't start with all of that. He wouldn't probably say much of that. First, he would say that he is a husband and he is a father working daily to be a father, living with an intentional purpose for his family. This episode is real. It's real life. It's no fake BS, no pie in the sky. It's just real practical ways to be the father you desire to be. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. I took a ton of notes while talking to John and feel like I leveled up and I grew in hearing his perspective on fatherhood. Killer. Enjoy. If you like it, share it. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, so you can stay in tune with all things Rebellion and create. Thanks and enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. Welcome uh, to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. What's up, John? How are you? What's up, dude? Let's let's have this chat. Yeah, man. I'm stoked to talk fatherhood with you as I've kind of gone down this path of fatherhood. I've stumbled into a whole world I didn't even know existed. And I heard you say it, you know, somewhere on one of your videos it's like you were looking for something to help boost your fatherhood level. And so you created uh, something that we'll talk about. But as I've stumbled into this, I found your front row dad community. Um, and so then I wanted to do a podcast with you and hear all about that. But then I did a podcast with uh, Kalina Amuchastegui and she yeah, yeah. shared uh, her husband, Aaron, and just like how killer front row dad had been for him. And so it was just cool. Like I've been really excited to sit down and talk fatherhood with you. Yeah, man, I love Aaron. He he's uh, an ex- he's an extraordinary dude. He actually he said something one time that I quote him on all the time, which is okay. about our events, about the brotherhood, about showing up for guys in life. Yeah. And he said, you know, you 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 want to show up because, and you want to show up when when you're kicking ass or when you're getting your ass kicked, because mm. you show up when you're kicking ass to help people, and then you show up when you're getting your ass kicked to ask for help. But either way, you show up, and I it just always stuck with me. Yeah, I love that. That's killer. Yeah. Well, before we get jumping into uh, Front Row Dad and your foundation, tell me a little bit about you and your family. So married, how many yeah. years have you been married? Yeah, man, to the uh, to the free spirit known as Tatiana, uh, born and raised in Russia. We've been together for 13 years. She is an amazing soul, man. If you ever, if anybody's ever like caught time with her, they're just, she just is like, she literally like floats, you know, and she's this incredible spirit that I just love to death. And um, yeah, man, I got two kids, 10 and five, Tiger and Ocean. Uh, I love their names. Thanks, man. Yeah, there's, of course, stories behind all that. But dude, we sure. live in Austin, Texas. And, you know, my we love to adventure. We love to travel. We go to Russia to back to Tatiana's hometown. And both my kids speak Russian as well. They, oh, that's uh, awesome. We like, we, we hike constantly, we, you know, we're just, we're, our favorite thing to do is probably the thing we haven't done. 
So we're just always into trying new things. And I think that's Mm -hmm. our family brand and our culture is just love on people, you know, create moments together and try to do good, you know, when, whenever we have the chance to. It's so funny you say that. So just the other day, um, I was talking with my seven-year-old and I, I don't know how it came up, but I said, what are we about? And she said, the shouts are about doing new things. Ah, And I just love that. I love that she at seven is catching on to this idea of just like new adventures, you know? Uh, So that's cool. So tell us a little bit. um, I'm sure you talk about it all the time, but tell us a little bit about Front Row Dads and Front Row Foundation, because that is what you do to provide for your family, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, the Front Row Dads is my business and Front Row okay. Foundation is a charity, a 501c3. They're, they share the same two words of Front Row, but they're two tip, different entities with two different teams and different bank accounts and et cetera. But this whole thing started with Front Row Foundation. So if I, this, the short version of the story is that, so I'm, a, I'm an executive at this corporation and I'm, I worked my ass off to get to where I was and I was happy with kind of the things that were going on in my life, but I was missing contribution. I was missing the element of giving. And so uh, I started Front Row Foundation with a couple of friends. And Front Row Foundation is like Make-A-Wish, except we put kids and adults in the front row of their favorite live event. So there's That's a couple of so nuances cool. in, it's very niche. Um, and we just wanted to do something positive with our time. You know, we just wanted to help people. Uh, pe- we wanted to bring light to people in their darkest days. And so, and that was fun, you know? So we went from kind of like getting drunk at bars to hosting fundraisers and raising money and sending kids and, you know, cool people to events that lit them up because uh, we had been to concerts and we loved it. But I think that everybody faces that. Well, m- many people face that time in their life when they're like, all right, I've done a lot of this for myself, but when am I going to help somebody else? Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can't be all about like me going to the next concert that there has to be another, dy- you know, another uh, level of living, you know, where where you feel that you get to just focus on other people. So anyway, we did that for a couple of years and then I figured I wanted to go out and speak about what we were learning. So it's kind of this like, what can you learn about living life for people fighting for it? So I wrote a book called The Front Row Factor. I became a keynote speaker and that became my new role. So I made money as a, a speaker and um, I was doing that for a while, but I was on the road like 150 days a year. And and the truth was, lot, I didn't, yeah. yeah, it was like, I, I didn't know my kids very well. I'm, you know, I really wasn't a great dad. And so I did what I knew how to do, which is if I wanted to learn something, I got people together and I'm such a, I'm such a communal person. I'm such a tribal, you know, like I want to hang with buddies. I want to talk things out. That's how I think. I talk it out. And I said, let me just get my buddies together. Let's do three days. It'll be a lot of fun, but we'll just talk about fatherhood. I've never done this. And I had a six-year-old at the time. And uh, I used to say, I was like, oh, I'm going to be the best dad. I'm going to read all the books. And I just didn't read shit. Like I didn't read, I didn't read anything. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's like six years later, you blink and you're like, wait a minute. Like I'm talking about being a great dad, but I'm not executing on this. Mm. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun to say family first, but then it's another one to actually live that way where your calendar reflects that. So uh, I, you know, and at work, dude, three, 30 guys got together in Philadelphia, October, 2016. And we created this, this group front row dads. And it was nothing more than just like a couple guys getting together. It wasn't a business. Yeah. It wasn't right. But we just, it was so much energy around it that it eventually became my business. And now it's my full-time gig. It's all I do all day. We do the podcast, we do the membership group, we have retreats, we do. And it's like all, it's all I do. It's a hundred percent. And we have so somebody fun. that we have somebody that runs the charity and we have a board that manages that. So I I'm participating there, but my, my, my efforts are in front row dads right now. Man, that's cool. So if you go back to the moment where you go, my kid's six, I'm gone 150 days a year. I'm showing up at these events where people think I'm awesome. I'm yeah. getting probably this fulfillment of purpose and needed and all those things we wanted yep. to do. What was that moment where, 
you go, whoa, I want to be there for my kids? Yeah, it was actually, I know exactly the moment. Um, I was at a party and, uh, you know, like an, maybe it was like a networking event. I don't even recall what it was, but um, somebody had said, what do you do? And I knew what they meant. They wanted to know professionally what I did. And I started to answer how I would normally answer. But then I cut myself off and I said, I'm actually a dad and a husband. And then I do some other stuff. And that just felt so much better to say. Because oh, it was yeah. like, you know, it just felt like, I was like, man, that sounds really good. And I go, I, I want that to be true. But I remember going home and looking at my computer. I had this like awakened moment where I looked at my computer. I looked at my desktop. It was actually my desktop. And I saw all these folders. I saw a folder for the upcoming gala that we had. We were going to raise money. I had a folder for, uh, you know, my finances of like whatever. And I had a folder for this coaching program I was running. And I was like, there's no family folder on my computer. So I got, I got corporate values. I got organizational values. I've got all this like stuff or all these businesses and all these projects, which I'm passionate about. And you could argue, yes, that helps my family and yeah, et cetera. Right, but for sure. truth, truth is there was no, there was no real intentional design here. There was a lot of excuses. And when I started to look at things, like I'll give you an example, really specific. So I was conditioned at a very young age that you've got to put like your, what are your best hours of the day? And I determined my best hours of the day are between like 7am and 11am. I'm, I'm a powerhouse during that time. Right. So you got to put mm -hmm. your most important projects. And because I had the identity of being a provider for my family, and that was the most important thing was to provide financially for my family. And it is important. I'm not arguing that point, but we have to provide financially uh, uh, or, you know, but we should provide financially to some degree, right? Like, right. Just keeping it simple here. But um, I looked at that and I was like, for a lot of years, I would say to my wife, like, I've got to get to work. I've got to get focused here. I've got to provide for the family. So I asked her to take care of the kids. She's not great in the morning. So it created all this like challenge. And then I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, why does my family get like the rest of me at the end of the day and not the best yeah. hours of my, so I started giving my, my day to my kids in the morning and guess what? Like business didn't suffer. Business actually grew and I was a better dad and I put them first actually on the calendar, not just in what's nice to say is that my family comes first, but actually, no, truly the way that we live our lives. So that those are those are moments that were very specific in time where I started to make these changes. It was good. Yeah, it's so good. I think it's important for us to go. What does our calendar look like? Am I fitting my family stuff in around my things, or yeah. am I putting my family stuff in and then putting those other things that are important? You know, but are they getting? And that's something that I love to say too. Is like, is my family getting my best energy, my best creativity, and my best time? Um, because at the end of the day, at the end of my life, that's what I'm going to want to look back and say that I did, but it's so easy to get caught up, especially if you're doing something you like, and clearly you like speaking motivational speaker, writing book, go out and do that. And so it's, it's amazing that in the midst of that, that there was something that clicked for you. It wasn't that your kid was 16, 17, right. your kid was six, right? So, yep. so you realizing this at a critical time where you still had all this life to live with your kiddos. Um, so kudos to you for that, because I think a lot of times we don't really think about that stuff until our kids are starting to be moving out or gone, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, there's, you know, this idea of timeline. I mean, this, this is, this was really revealed to me in front row foundation because you talk about working with people who have a life threatening illness, this, right, this idea right. of like our time is precious really was like in my face. And then, you know, I've got buddies like Jim Shields who wrote the family board meeting. His company is called 18 summers. And it's literally like you say that, and that says a lot, even in the title of his company, 18 summers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I remember my buddy John Kane and I talking about like one summer coming up and I said, do you know that we get like 16 weekends with our family? Doesn't that make it seem so much more important what we say yes to or no to it when, when you only have 16 weekends in an entire yeah, summer powerful. with your family? Or how about the fact of like, you know, I was looking at, uh, I was talking to our front row dads the other day and I was like, we're talking about Mother's Day and how to celebrate it. And I was like, guys, if you're 40 right now and let's say that, you know, you or your wife live to be about 80, which is the average lifespan right now. I said, you, you have 40 shots at Mother's Day, basically until now until the end, 40. You take one out, you got 39 left. Like all of a sudden it becomes way more important when you only have 40 ever in the history of her life to celebrate her as a mom, you know, or your mom or whomever. But you know, the timeline is important. You got to know that, that, uh, this is, and you're a dad forever, but you only get these segments, you know, these periods of time. They're only a toddler for so many years. They're only a Mm -hmm. teenager for so many years. And so you really got to be in it. You got to be in it. You got to be in it. And let me say this, Ned, hold on. This is really important, dude. I got to say this. This is really important. Whenever I start talking about like, hey, put your family first. I hope everybody hears me say that this all started because I was failing, (laughs) not because like, I like woke up one day and I'm like, I'm damn good at this dad stuff. And I should tell other guys what to do. Like it was because I was, I needed answers, man. Like I wanted answers and still do. I still have moments in the last week where I was behaving in a way where if somebody was videotaping me and putting it on the front row website, that I would be embarrassed by my behavior, you know? But I think that's the powerful thing that, that we need in our culture is, is leaders who are vulnerable, leaders who aren't, hey, here's the nine steps, do what I do, I figured it all out, I got this on, on lock. No, we are all, this is like lifelong, fatherhood's a craft, we're going to yeah. be doing this forever, and yeah, I'm going to be a douche dad some days, and I'm gonna, I need brothers and people around me to call me out and be in tune with who I want to be. So I think that's the power in your role in being a leader around fatherhood is your willingness to not pretend like you have it all figured out. The dudes who say they have it all figured out don't, and they got dark secrets. Yep. In in my opinion. So, all right. So as, as a father, what have been some good resources to you um, alongside of the front row dads? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to say, well, here's the thing. It sounds like a pitch for my group and it, and I suppose it always is, but there's a reason I'm doing the group and right. but I'm going to credit a buddy of mine, Brayden uh, DLNA, who lives here in Austin, Texas with us. And he, he runs a program called fire scout. So he does survival skills. He totally is the guy that if, if you had to live off the land, you'd want him as your best friend. Yeah. He knows, you know, like he knows what to eat. He's got all the plants dialed in. Like he's so connected to nature. He knows the his. I mean, he's an amazing soul, right? And he leads my son's Fire Scouts tribe, which is like basically what I consider to be a more awakened and evolved version of Boy Scouts, right? And, and, and locally here, and it's really well done. Well, Braden was on a, a call with me not too long ago, and he said something that stuck with me. He said, community is the greatest survival tool. Community is the great, because we were yeah. talking about like when this whole pandemic thing, uh, you know, people are like, you know, there's the, I mean, there's a lot of conversation there, right? And I don't want to, that's a big topic to open up, yeah. but the, the point is that he was getting to, and I really appreciated, was that the real tool is in community. It's there's a reason we call our group the Brotherhood. There's a reason that our mission is about uh, creating a space where men can have candid conversations so that they ultimately can strengthen themselves and they can strengthen their families and, and, and hopefully the world at large. And um, that, I believe, is the greatest resource we have. Now, what we pull in and, and how we all reach out and grab 
uh, little bits of information from whatever book we read or experience we had or whatever it might be. And we try to pull that together and then share. But the dialogue is the most important part. The conversation is the most important part. The relationships are the most important part because we are, as I mentioned Jim earlier, and he talks about, you know, uh, that we're, we're kind of like we're full on content, but starved for community. Right. right. Like like a lot of us right. are, you know, there's so much content out there and it's not that it's bad. There's some really great content. Of course, there's there's nuggets all over the place. But what but you know, the thing at the end of the day, when you really get clear about it, it's like, oh, it's all about community. It's all about relationships, of course. Right. And that's not new. I'm, that's not a new thought. But and I don't but mean it's harder. To- yeah, it's harder today to realize that. And I think especially for dudes, they feel alone. They feel oh, I went to work. I feel like. I don't have time for this, that, or the other, but the power in having a mentor, the power in having friends, uh, in getting together and not just getting together and just joking around the whole time. Like that's necessary as dudes, but to also have intentional conversations, uh, with your homies as well, uh, is powerful. So yeah, you hit the key there right there, Ned, which is that people hide. And this happens because I hid, I hit all, I hit a lot. Guys still hide. Guys are hiding right now. Under the yep. excuse of a pandemic, like there's, they're always like, there's always a reason to go extra to work, to, to go into your cave, to just go right. right to your computer, go right to building. And the truth is that while we love that, we love to be important and we love to create, it's also hiding a little bit because being in a marriage, being a dad, it's hard. <laughs> like raising kids is hard work. And sometimes we're just like, ah, I'll let mom handle that or I'll let the school yep. handle that or whatever. And it's like, no, you, you do that. That's your role. Yes. You got to step into that boldly. That's so good. All right. So this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes and we're doing it right now. It's just having a dad open up his life, open up his field notes and share with us some stuff so that we can all learn and grow from it. The the theme is rebel and create and rebel and create came to me in 2015. What it means is rebel against the low expectations of fatherhood and create the life you were designed for, create the life you want, create what you want. So don't be rebellious just for the sake of being rebellious, tear down the walls and then make something new. So what's something that you're currently rebelling against, right on? What's something you're rebelling against? And it could be something small, right? Like answering business calls after 630 um, to I'm rebelling against this low expectation from growing up in the church or growing up with no father or whatever. So what are you rebelling uh, I a, against? I got a shit ton of things I'm rebelling against, man. Like <laughs> I said yes to this interview. Uh, you know, I love it, dude. I really love it. Um, yeah, I keep thinking like, dude, we got to partner up on some stuff because we're there's a lot of alignment here. Um, yeah, you know, here's what I feel, brother. Here's what I feel. I am rebelling against, and I, I really want to leave the guy's name out of it because I actually like the dude a lot. But he posted something. He's a famous author, and he posted something on Twitter, and it was something to the effect of like, I was going to go get a dad haircut or I was going to go to get a haircut. And the woman said, do you want a dad haircut or something like that? And then his <laughs> comment was, can we all agree that when you add the word dad to anything, it's not cool. Dad, uh, haircut, dad, bod, dad, whatever. And I was like, fuck this, you know, yeah, this, yeah, is, for sure. this is, this is what I want to rebel against because this whole thing is like, mm. I, and, and the thing is like, we have these, um, I'm not wearing it now, but we have these front row dad hats. And I know that even I experienced a little bit of like when I go out and I have this dad hat on, am I all of a sudden that like, there's a dad, you know, whatever. Or is it like, no, hold on, dude, that guy looks like, that guy looks like he's in shape. That guy looks like he's out for an adventure. That guy looks like he's got it dialed in. He's, he's a strong guy leading his family. 
not with a big ego, but just with a presence about himself. And, and there was something about that that I was like, I want to help men wear the badge of being a dad is not the goofball who like, you know, is like just walking around going, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't like that. No, no, man. Yeah, that's Step the horse shit. The <laughs> yeah, it's about, yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm passionate about, man. I want to empower. And by the way, it's not that I want to empower men. I want to find men that feel passionate about this and all find a way to converse around this subject. So this isn't me bestowing the wisdom upon men going, hey, I've been divinely given the guide for yeah. being a man. It's like, no, you got something figured out. You got something figured out. You got something figured out. Everybody throw your best shit on the table. Let's talk about what it is. Let's put best practices into place. Let's talk about where we failed and share wisdom. Let's crowdsource wisdom. Dude, I love it. I love it. I'm so passionate about that because being a dad is so awesome. But for whatever reason, our culture, which is a prime example, we act like it's not uh, yeah. this rad role. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting too, because our culture is so about like, do what you love and what's your job. And like that question, it all goes back to that question. I hate that freaking question when somebody asks, what do you do? And it's probably because, and I, it's similar for me is that I thought I would do something rad with my life be pro surfer, be a run a huge youth center, whatever. I sell insurance for my business. Like when I say uh, I sell insurance at the core, it's not sexy to me. Right. And that's what hit me in 2015 is wait a second. That's not what identifies my identity. That's not who I am. I am, like you said, I'm a husband to a rad wife. Right. And I'm pursuing a really fun marriage. I got five kids who are the only five humans on the planet that get to call me dad. Like these are the things that define me. We go celebrate uh, COVID-19 in Hawaii, <laughs> right? We're going to go on adventures together. This is what the shouts do. This is what we do as a family. So man, what you're rebelling against is so critical because we're not a bunch of Ned Flanders, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, or Homer Simpsons. We're neither of those, yeah. right? There's this huge opportunity. So dude, that is something worth spending your life rebelling against. And there's a ton to create out of that. Hey, I want to I wanna take this. I, I know you didn't ask me this, but I want to just offer it up anyway. Because I, I feel like, by the way, we're just shooting the shit as two dudes yeah. hanging, hanging yeah. out. So, and that's why I always want it to feel when we're talking you know, with the guys. But here's something that I think is really important. When we started Front Row Dads, the objective was to be a better dad. And I actually didn't think, I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't, consciously say marriage is going to be a really important part of this conversation. It actually was really about just fatherhood. But very quickly, I realized that the guys needed a lot of conversation around marriage because a lot of their parenting struggles were actually marital problems or mm. opportunities or right breakdowns that were showing up in their parenting. Um, so it's like, it's like, it's almost like kind of like, I'm kind of quoting my buddy, Michael Port with something he says, which is sort of like parenting problems are kind of like marital problems in disguise. You know, it's like, mm. it's like, it's really like the, the issues over here. We think it's here, but it's really over here. And so um, I'll tell you something that I realized. So two years ago, my wife went on a really dark place in our marriage. And, um, and, and I take responsibility for this now. I didn't at the time. I was trying to blame her. If she would only be this way, if she was only different this way, our, we, things would be so much better. And then here's something that I realized. I realized that I was getting boring. I was getting predictable. Mm. I was getting like, I was losing my edge as a man and she was getting bored. 
And it was very hard for me to admit that. But one of the things that would, that my awakening moment was like, I was like, if I got divorced, what would I do? And the truth was, I'd probably hit the gym even more. I'd probably buy some new clothes. I'd probably go on some epic adventures. I'd probably take my, you know, if I was dating, I would take this person on some incredible dates. I would like really get creative. And I was like, why am I not doing that now? Why am I not doing that now for the person that I'm with, for the person that I've dedicated my life to? Why am I not, right? It was even like everything got boring. Even sex got boring. Like it was the same, you know, it was like this, 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 done. And it was like everything got boring. And, um, and, then I, and then when I finally took responsibility, which I think part of what makes anybody step up in the moment is personal responsibility. Just stop mm, blaming your yeah. kids. Stop bl- it's not your kids. You don't have bad kids. You just don't have the right resources yet, right? Like it's that you don't have a messed up wife. You just have a, a, you have a way of programming of like um, understanding her greatness of her soul, you know? And I mean, I get where any of these, we could go into like massive deep yeah. dives, but the point is, my big revelation with this was a personal acceptance and responsibility about what I could do in those moments. And I think that's where a lot of our freedom and liberation comes from. That's where we're able to rebel. It's almost like what we need to be rebelling against the most is excuses and low standards, like you said, and what, you know, these, these norms that we need to break free from the habits that once served us that now imprison us. We can just end our podcast now. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> if dudes could just embrace that one thing, like, dude, take responsibility. Don't yeah. be boring. Yeah. Don't be boring. And just to admit, mm, yeah, I think my sex life sucks. Uh, wait a second. I'm blaming blame that all on my wife. Nah, bro. Go to the gym. Like, make yourself where somebody even wants to be around you. Right, right. Uh, yeah, man, that's so powerful. And I think you're so right. I mean, the fa- fatherhood, you know, for me is such a, uh, it's just a great term because like we said, the culture kind of makes fatherhoods and dad look like knuckleheads. Um, but marriage, and I love how you said it, you know, if you have a parenting problem, it's more most likely a, a marital problem because I think the greatest gift, now I know people get in toxic relationships and sometimes divorce is, is inevitable, but more times than not, it's it's not and our kids, man, our kids need us to show like, yes, life is hard. Yes, it is tough, but you can do it. You can stick through it. You can conquer things. And the marriage is like the prime example to teach that. Yeah. So, dude, I think that's so powerful and so true uh, that there's a lot to the dad game or the fatherhood game, right? It's being a man. It's being a human. There's a yeah. lot to it, man. I know we could just wrap forever. So I want to jump into <laughs> as I've looked at at front row foundation and front row dads and, and this keen thing inside you where you see, man, I'm at a concert and there's people in the front row and they're having a killer time. Like how, not just how do I get myself there to have a rad time? How do I help others who might not even think that's possible get in the front row? Um, and I love that too, because there's this like side, it's not just about them being in the front row, you're also teaching people how to go and encourage and help others see their purpose and value. So what I see in all that is you care a lot about moments and memories. And I would love for you to just talk a moment about that. From the fatherhood perspective, why are moments and memories so important and how much influence does a father have to create those? Yeah. Um, yeah, my, one of my favorite subjects and it, we, you know, all these, we can travel really far with all of them. And, but here's, let me see if I can frame out what is the start of the conversation for me. 
So first of all, let, let's let the context is 15 years we've been creating these front row moments for the people through the charity. So we have 15 mm-hmm. years of experience of you know working with people who are fighting for their life and creating these epic experiences and watching these moments unfold. There's three forces behind a moment that we need to understand. One is the power of hope that that a moment in the future can impact our day today. And an example of that is like we've got a uh, one of our recipients. He's in a wheelchair and he's going to go to an event months down the road. But the hoping, uh, the hope that he has to experience that event or to stand for the national anthem or whatever it might be, changes how he shows up in physical therapy today, right? And that's a true story, by the way. I'm talking about a guy named Thomas K. Yeah. And and so that's hope. So we have to remember that moments aren't just about the here and the now. There's actually three forces of a moment. One is the hope for the future. See, hope is the power of possibility. It brings the potential moment in the future into the present moment now so we can do something about it. Uh, So it's very different than wishful thinking. That's like, I wish things were different. Hope says I Mm -hmm. make a difference. When we look at celebration, celebration is all about the past. Now we can actually relive moments by saying, oh, remember when we did that? And when we tell stories, we bring the power of those moments into the present. So reflecting on your day as a father, what was great about the day? What was great about, you know, every year I do a slideshow with the family of our best photographs and we, we do it around the holidays, right? And we look back and we relive those moments. And that's a very powerful thing. Sometimes we forget about some of those moments. I, I see my kids and my wife going, holy shit, we actually do have a great family. <laughs> you yeah. know? Holy yeah. shit, we, you know, there's a lot of like really cool about, there's something cool about looking back and celebrating. And then there's about this present moment. And the present moment is like, we're actually not living in the moment most of the time. We're actually not in the present moment the majority of our lives. We're kind of drifting in and out of it, right? We're in the moment and then we drift into the future or drift into the past and then we shift back into the moment, right? And that's what we do. And and so, but as much as we can be in that present moment, that's really about figuring out, out a way to be experiencing something as it's happening. Like when you're at a concert and you're like, Dave Matthews has played Satellite 18,000 times and he will play it a thousand more at least, but yet he'll never play it exactly this way on right. this day and this moment with this, like it's, 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 it's a once in a lifetime experience. And the more that we can capture those, like it'll never be just like this ever again. Like the preciousness of those you know, when I'm when my five-year-old laughs and I'm like, oh, like I, I know this laugh is going to change. I know this mm. very sweet little five-year-old voice is going to shift and it's going to get deeper and deeper. And so I'm going to cherish it because I realize that it's not, uh, because it's not permanent, right? So, okay. So those are three forces that are at work. Now here's the next piece of it. The next piece of it is how do we intentionally create these moments? And, and we use a model called lift. And it, so it's imagine like lifting people up. You use this perfect example of when you're in the front row, you you put people else on the you put people on the stage and you lift them up. There's something beautiful about shining the light on someone else. Our society gives a lot of uh, uh, you know attention to the hey, I don't want to live my life on the sideline. I want to get in the game. Which, by the way, I've said that, and that's not me poking at that. That's me making a poke at the fact that if we only put value on that, we're missing something hmm. because. We miss the value of the person who's shining the light saying, you be the star for a minute, right? Because what good is a rock star if he has no fans to play to? Right. So at some point you have to be the rock star in life. And at some point you have to be the fan and you have to like lift somebody else up and make them. And as a parent, that's really what you do, right? Like as a parent, you don't run out in the field and kick the soccer ball in the goal for your kid. You, you as shine much as you light. might want to, as sometimes. much as you might want to, you <laughs> You shine the light, right? You yeah. let them do it. You encourage them. And so I think there's something about this. So when we're a lifting person, when we have lift moments, this is what it means. 
The lift moment, the lift philosophy is four, 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 four parts. So a moment breaks down to these four simple elements. One is that you create moments by being a good listener. You want to be a good gift giver. You want to nail Mother's Day. You want to be great at holidays. You want to create an epic birthday or anything for anybody in your family, for your wife, your kids, whomever. You have got to be listening all year long. The more you're paying attention to what lights them up, the more that you're observing and watching and present to all that's happening, right? That listening skill is the first part of making any moment for any human on the planet, period. You cannot be a great moment maker if you're not a good listener. And if you only remember one thing from the show, that's the only thing you need to remember is to be a better listener. Yes. And here's your test. You want to know if you're a great listener? If, if, if somebody isn't regularly telling you how great of a listener you are, you're not that good of a listener. <laughs> like if people aren't saying, man, Ned, you're an amazing listener. Man, when, when, you're, when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm the only person in the room. When I'm talking to you, you ask such great questions. If somebody's not complimenting you ever, <laughs> you need to work on your listening skills, period. Like that's your indicator. Because when you are nailing that, people will acknowledge you for it, generally. You know, I'm, and I'm talking not every person on the planet, but in general, that's a feedback yeah. loop for you. All right, so you're a listener, right? The second part of this is that we have to be inclusive in the process of making moments. Now, this isn't 100% across the board, but let me tell you how it looks in Front Row Foundation. If we're listening to people in step one, we're saying, what event do you want to see? They go, I want to see Dave Matthews front row. Great. Now we know what they're passionate about. We're listening, right? That's the first thing. What's important to you? The second piece of it is be inclusive. What amplifies any moment is bringing other people into it. You want to take a moment and make it amazing? Add more people to it oftentimes. Now, I know there's introverts and extroverts, but for the most part, it's like adding the core people. Even introverts have best friends. Even introverts have a few people they love. And those people, when you involve them in a moment, you amplify it, right? So as an example, um, you know, you're at dinner with a group of people and you say, Ned, you know what I really love about you? Da -da 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 -da. That's, a, that's a great moment, right? But if I ask everybody at the table to go around and say something they love about you, all of a sudden that moment is amplified. When I include other people in any experience, I amplify it. So who can we include in the planning process, in the execution, in the, re in the re revelation? That's why yeah. a surprise party is special. All right, third part, uh, when you're making a moment, this is the actual moment of execution. So this is the part that you're actually doing it. This is what we call filling their cup. This is the day itself. This is the moment when they're at the event. And as the moment maker, one of the things we've realized is when we go along with a recipient on their front row event, how you show up, your internal state of being as a moment maker, your present, the way you feel inside, that vibe makes such a difference in how somebody else feels. So, you know, it's how we show up to Mother's Day energetically, how we show up to our kids energetically. It is, it is the fill your cup moment. And, and, and that to me is a, ma a massive part of it is like the execution of the plan itself is a big part of making it work, right? Yeah. And largely that has to do with just be focused on that person and what fills their cup in that moment. And finally, what buttons everything up is, and we need to do this in life constantly, is thanks and gratitude. So if you want to complete a moment, there needs to be a moment of gratitude and thanks at any level. And it can be the smallest to the biggest level of gratitude. But it could be what was great about this. What did we all love about this? It's something that wraps it up. Everybody go around and say your favorite part of this day or your favorite part of this moment. What did you love about it? How did this make you feel? It's all about gratitude and appreciation. That is a lift moment and that's how we create them. And as dads, we do the same. That's the same principle we, we, we play out in our families as we do at, you know, in the charity.
So that's it. Man, it's so good because it's so practical, right? I mean, there's so many things that you just shared on a practical level that as a father, if you can be in tune and listening to your family, you know, and it's not just this, uh, we're going to plan this summer vacation, you know, we're driving to Yellowstone or Yosemite or Disneyland or whatever. Those are killer moments too, but it's also sideline at the soccer field. It's also Mother's Day. Are you crushing Mother's Day? Um, are you listening to your kid when they come home, when they walk mm-hmm. in your office, when they're wanting to talk to you? Mm-hmm. Um, are you pausing and being present for them? Uh, so I love that being present, right? I mean, I think that's something we're all struggling with to some level in our fast-paced world. But being Dude, present... Hey, let me let me add one to that if I may real yeah, quick. Also, yeah, please. That- that here's something, this is practical and it comes from a study. So if I'm talking to my left brain guys out there and they want some science behind this, the your ability as a dude to celebrate with your wife is more important than even the moments where she's not doing well. So in other words, if she's having a shitty day, how you respond to her is very important, right? Mm-hmm. How you respond to her is important. What's more important and that's been proven is that to strengthen your relationship, it's how, it's actually how you respond in great moments, uh, even more so than it is in how you show up for the bad ones. Because a lot of guys suck at celebrating what's great genuinely with their wife when she's really excited about something. So moment making comes from both. Like showing up when somebody's really going through a tough time, that you're a moment maker there if you just show up and listen. And there's a great philosophy that was taught to me by a guy named Ted Lowe. He said, do you want me to feel it or fix it? When you're talking to your wife and she's pouring on you, it's like, do you want me to feel that or fix that? Because one, I can just sit here and listen and just feel that with you. The other one is I can offer advice. Most guys just go for the advice and they screw it all up. Yep. And sometimes they want advice, but you have to you know, feel it or fix it. You have to be in a place of like uh, recognizing that how you show up, both positive and negative, is very, very important. Man, that's powerful because I think that a lot of times when things are just going okay, you know, life is okay. Kids are going to school. There's, there's enough money to have dinner. Things are going okay. We're not pausing and celebrating the little wins throughout the day or celebrating our wife. It's usually when things start falling apart that we all of a sudden want to invest in it instead of investing in it. When it's, I mean, that's even mediocre, right? We're kind of just okay with mediocre instead. Like let's get in tune with that, be present in that and help it elevate to be like who doesn't want a killer relationship with their wife yeah. where their wife is stoked to see them st- stoked to hang out. Um, oh man. Okay. So good. So moments and memories on a small scale and a big scale fathers have the opportunity to create moments. And it sounds as though the biggest thing around the moments that you've shared is one listening two being present. What about planning? What about planning for moments? I think that you you can, and sometimes we put too much pressure on planning for the moment, sometimes, okay. and sometimes we don't plan enough. I'll give you an example, um, and, and I, I try to use real examples, right, not speaking in theory, but like, and, and also, these are my own experiences, whether they're true for anybody yeah. else, who the hell knows, right, but this is real for me. I, here's what's crazy. I spent 15 years figuring out how to be a moment maker for all these people. I was literally, you know, people are paying me $30,000 to come speak on a stage for an hour, so I could tell them all about Front Row Foundation and moment making and all this stuff, right? But man, I sucked at being a moment maker for my own family. Mm. I was great for everybody else. I'm creating all these amazing moments. When it came to my own family, I was the worst. And uh, 
you know, I even holidays, I, you know, I rebelled against holidays because I was like, I don't want somebody telling me that I'm supposed to be really happy. And I always say it's like when somebody's like, be funny. I'm like, uh, that's, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, okay. It's like, be happy on this day and be really happy. I'm like, I would just rather be happy on a Tuesday because I choose to be than right. for you telling me I have to be. So I rebelled against it. But at some point I was like, you know, let me allow this to be an opportunity to challenge myself to be a little bit better at planning. Sometimes those holidays reveal how bad you suck at doing things too, which is why you rebel against them. And I said, you know, just recently, like in the last year or two, I was like, I'm going to nail Christmas. I'm going to nail Halloween. I'm going to nail all the holidays and I'm, and, and I'm going to plan. I'm going to literally grab a Google Doc and I'm going to sit down and be like, I'm going to think this through like I would think through any project. And I remember this year I went to Starbucks and I sat down and I said for four hours, four hours, I'm going to time block and I'm not going to think about anything but Christmas. And I literally researched all the things we could do. And I thought about what do we want to be as a family? What does Christmas mean to me? What is Christmas? What could it mean to my family? How do I want to talk about it? Right? Like, how do I want to show up on Christmas Eve, on Christmas morning? And I literally made a plan and it was a big Google doc and it had all these thoughts and I'm journaling and I'm asking questions and I'm researching. And dude, my wife was so blown away at my level of preparation and preparedness. She was lit up and you know what i felt like man i felt like a fucking leader <laughs> like i felt like yeah i was like i really did i felt like yes this is what it's like to lead your family this is what it's like to care enough about christmas to actually do some stuff because you know and i would rebel against her she'd be like you didn't do shit for christmas or whatever and i'd be like you're ungrateful and i kind of blamed her again for like her not being grateful for how hard i was working and what i was providing and the truth is deep down inside deep in my heart man i knew I wasn't caring enough about Christmas or about her birthday or about whatever. And so do I still fail at this? Of course I do. I'm like, I'm definitely not trying to represent that I've got it all figured out, but I definitely had a win this year. I definitely had victories on multiple holidays because of how I cared about it. Yes, man. I love that you use Christmas as an example because it's simple right? It's not, yeah, Ned, I sat down for four hours and uh, we planned this six week trip to Europe and we traveled, which is rad, dude. I hope we can all do that one day, but something that you have freaking power over. This is, this is the day I'm going to put the Christmas lights up. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to get my kids. And this is what I'm the sweater I'm going to wear and just like fully go (laughs) embrace this to where my family goes, Whoa, this is fun. Yeah. This guy matters. This guy cares. Um, and dude, we all have the time to do that, to sit down and figure that out. And you said how you made, it made you feel like just a badass leader. Yeah. And, and isn't that how every man wants to feel yeah. like that their family goes, dude, this guy is it. Um, and then that's the moment you plan for. And then now forever, there's this memory and not only the memory of it, but now you have this own trajectory for yourself of how you show up to stuff. Yep. Ah, yeah. bro. Yeah, and there's tons of examples of how I've I've shifted with that. Like you talk about planning. So here's what I what I did recently. Like this is literally in the last couple months. I, I thought to myself, I want to plan my wife's birthday. I want to think about what that means. But I was like, what have I done for all the other birthdays? And I spent a couple hours going back through my photo album on her birthday and looking at all the photos. And I created a journal in my Evernote about like in 2016, this is what we did. In 2015, Mm -hmm. this is what we did. And then it was even like in 2014, I don't have any pictures. I'm like, well, that means I must have really shit the bed in 2014. (laughs) I don't have a freaking picture of her birthday. 
you know, but it's like, uh, that was really enlightening to me to see a pattern emerging. And sometimes mm. that I think when you see a pattern emerging in your life, you'll, you'll start to know more about yourself. Because sometimes you are able to really bullshit yourself like, I'm great at Christmas. And then all of a sudden, like, just look back at your pictures and ask yourself, do you feel that way when you look at all the pictures? Go back and look at your calendars, you know, about like what you did around all these holidays and ask yourself, like, you know, did you crush it? I don't know. I do the same thing with my calendar every week. I look back and go, what sucked my energy? Where did my time go? What did I love? What brought, what brought life to me or to others? Yeah. And the truth is, I see a lot of things that I'd mess up in my week. So how could we not look back on you know, a birthday and, and, and grow from that and say, yeah, yeah I mean, if I'm really being honest, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really pour in there. Man, that's powerful. Well, uh, so powerful, man. It's so good. All right. Well, I know we want to wrap up, so I'm going to ask you one last question. Yep. Your kids are, uh, 10 and five right now. Yep. Okay. So let's say 25 years from now, you're standing outside your children's homes, you're peering in. What's the legacy that you see them living out? They, they, they might not say, oh, I'm doing this because of dad. But you know, as you look in the work you did on the day-to-day basis, you're seeing being played out. What are those things you see in that home? Yeah. One of the things is I see my kids uh, playing Tickle Monster. <laughs> so here's the thing. Tickle Monster in our house is basically like, my, and my kids crave it. They beg me for it every so day. So do you have the book? Do you have the book, Tickle yeah, Monster? Yeah, we have the book. We have okay. the book, which we love. Uh, but but it's also game, just, you don't need it. This, yeah. this game is like, no, this is what they want. They want to go into the bedroom and they want to wrestle hard. Like they want me to throw them on the bed. They want me to hit them with pillows. They want me, they want me to tickle them until they tap. They literally have to talk. I taught my kids <laughs> yeah. how to tap out, right? They, we all learned, uh, we have a safe word and a tap out word, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So the point is they just love that, man. And there's a part of me that's like, I can't believe you guys still want to play Tickle Monster. Like, are you not bored of this game? Like for crying out loud, like, there's moments when I'm like, I do not want to play Tickle Monster at all. It's the last thing I want to do. We, we name things, you know, like we have this one thing where they, they crawl under my legs. I grab them by their hips. So like, I don't know if I can even paint this picture, but what I do is I grab them by their hips and I flip them up in the air. Like I pull them up by their, their feet shoot towards the ceiling and I flip them upside down and they land on the bed. They call it flipperoo. And so we have tickle monster and flipperoo. And and if I, if I peered in that window, man, and I saw my boys wrestling with their kids and their kids yelling, do another flipperoo or right, like, I would be like, oh man, that's so cool. Just to see them playing, just to yeah. see them like just to see them having a good time together, I genuinely think that's all I would want to see is I would want to see love and I would want to see affection and I want to see playfulness. And that's what I would hope for. Uh, yeah. Because I, man, I hope that other things would be going well too. I'd hope they'd have their health and I'd hope they'd be able to pay their bills and that I'd hope there w- would be a level of fulfillment and purpose and joy in lots of areas of their life. But I think that playfulness is such a great indicator of the health of so many other things in our lives. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's like if they have that that peace and joy that things are okay, that I can tickle my kids and I can play, that I'm not just worried about life. So, man, I love that answer, John. I so am just uh, inspired by the work you do. I'm encouraged by the way that you want to... Uh, redefine fatherhood and let people know what an amazing opportunity it is. Um, Keep being that intentional husband and father uh, to your family. And then dude, just keep inspiring the world around you. It's exciting to see the work that you're doing 
And I just appreciate the time that we got to spend together today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. This has been great. Ah, what another killer conversation around fatherhood, right? I mean, dude, some of the things, some of the nuggets, don't be a boring husband. Checking with yourself, are you a boring husband? Are you a boring dad? Taking responsibility, creating moments so that your family has memories, being engaged and in tune with listening so that you can create moments because you know what your family cares about, you know what matters to them killer solid guys this stuff is simple like you can do this i can do this it's hard to do it's hard to implement but we have what it takes oh so good thank you dads out there listening to rebel and creates fatherhood field notes what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs they need you to be you This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Please take a minute, write a review on the podcast. Much appreciated as other dudes are looking at how to engage in the craft of fatherhood. There's reviews and there's momentum around this. They'll hear the conversations. They'll grow. And it matters, right? It matters because... My kids might marry your kids, and we want other dudes to be engaged and intentional with their families so that we are setting future generations up for success.